Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast with April and Mike. This week, we have a very interesting show with a shaman from Russia. But before we get into the show, we just want to mention to go to our podcast page on iTunes and rate and review us, and that'll hopefully move us up into the uh, front page of iTunes. Yeah, we think you'll really enjoy this show. Uh, Larissa has come to be a personal friend of mine, and I have had the... um, experience to have a real session with her and she's probably the first i guess you could say you know i don't know quote unquote real shaman or you know a shaman that kind of came from a culture of shamanism and has it within her family as opposed to uh, a shaman that's taught in america so that was a real uh you know interesting experience and i do get a chance to talk about my session a little bit with her so we would like to welcome larissa to the show Thanks so much for being on, Larissa. Hi, thank you. So, Larissa is a shaman, and you are originally from Rush- Tuva, Russia. Am I saying that right? Or is it Russia, yes. Tuva? Yeah, Tuva, so Russia. It's a republic of Tuva, Russian Federation. Okay. And uh, I came to know Larissa through a friend of a friend, actually, and had heard about some of the great healing sessions that Larissa has done um, on Friends of Friends. And then a friend of mine actually had a session with Larissa. And I always thought it would be, you know, pretty interesting to meet a shaman and see what a session would be like. I've had a lot of different types of energy work done before. So I actually had the privilege to have a one-on-one session with Larissa. And I also went down to New York City when she did uh, training. What was the name of the museum again? Um, It's called Rubin Museum of Art. Rubin Museum of Art, that's right. Um, So I was able to go down there and see a little workshop that she put on down there, which was amazing. And I hope that I get a chance to talk a little bit about uh, my experience with working with Larissa. But Larissa, I think that your story is kind of fascinating about how you actually came to be a shaman. So I'd like you to take our listeners through your journey of what it was like kind of growing up, some of the illnesses that you battled and um, your resistance a little bit to become a shaman. And if you could tell people your story. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Well, this story actually goes back really long time ago. And when I think about it, it's all connected now. It all makes sense. But until I became a shaman, actually became a shaman, it, I didn't see any connections um, to all of it. Well, I was very ill or sick as a child. I was excused from the gym. I was excused from vaccinations. I was excused from, um, you know, like they used to ask students at the universities to go dig potatoes in September. (laughs) And I was also excused from that. And um, so, but I was very intuitive and my whole family is very intuitive. And I was able many times to predict things on sages, things that um, then later became true, but um, I didn't think any of that. I didn't think it was special or important or good for other people or for myself. I didn't think any of that. And uh, so most of my childhood I spent um, either reading or 
drawing or painting and make up stories about those paintings or drawings. And a lot of times I was at the hospital. And so um, when I was, um, um, when I gave birth to my daughter, I had uh, major complications during the pregnancy and during the delivery. And um, after it, all of my organs um, started to come out of my body, literally. Um, I don't know how to say it in English. <laughs> but, um, and the doctors told me that I need to make, to do an operation in order to put it all back up. And my mom uh, said to me, let's wait with the operation and um, find some a healer who possibly could help you before we do something as drastic as an operation. And I was 23, 24 almost at that point. And um, my mom found a healer, Russian old lady who helped me, who was helping me um, to get better. And it didn't work. It was very painful and it didn't work. And then my mom mentioned to someone at work that her daughter has such problem. And that person um, told her that he has a close relative who is a shaman. And um, that if my mom sends a car and prepares a, a delicious lunch, that he might be able to come and see me and my daughter as well. And um, until that day, I didn't really know anything about shamans at all. I knew they existed. I knew they're doing something interesting and uh, fascinating, but I never had experience with a shaman before. And so when he walked in uh, the day that I still remember very much, um, he came to me and I was laying in bed and um, my daughter was laying next to me. And I remember that for, it was like, I think about four months after delivery, I had no, um, had no energy. I was always tired. I couldn't walk. I couldn't hold my daughter. I just couldn't take care of myself. And I had to move with my parents because somebody had to take care of me and my daughter. And he uh, moved his hands uh, above my body. And he told me that my first chakra opened up during delivery because it was so difficult. And um, now all of my energy is draining into the earth. So there is no circle of energy. It's open. And that's why I have no energy. And that's why my physical organs start to come, literally come out of my body. You know, the womb and there, down there. And so until that day, until, until that moment, I heard about chakras, but I, I only thought about them as something esoteric, as something that has nothing to do with me, um, with my life and my way well-being. And um, he told me just relax and breathe deeply. And he started to move his hands above my belly area and I felt heat coming from his hands 
and I had this pleasant sensation. It was actually pleasant. And then he moved his hands for about 20 minutes or so, and he told me not to tell anything to anyone and that he'll come back in two weeks to check on me. And uh, that very day, I was very anxious to know if it's going to work, if it's not going to work. And when I went to take a shower later on that day, uh, everything was up. All of my internal organs that were hanging, literally hanging out before, were back up. Um, and so that impressed me to no end. <laughs> and that impressed all of my family and my friends and relatives who knew my story about uh, all of that. And he came back and he checked and he said, all is well. And so that's how it started. Um, and then three years later, I was working at the government of the Republic of Tuva. And I saw uh, an advertisement that said that once a week, this shaman, um, Alek Pavlovich Toyduk, that was his name, um, he, uh, he is uh, available to the people from the government. Um, you could make an appointment and come see him. It was, I remember, it was Thursdays. And I was amazed. I was, wow, that's exactly that person. I really want to thank him for what he did for me. And I made an appointment and I bought presents and I came and I said, well, do you remember me? And he said, I remember you. And he said, you're going to go with me um, like next month to Germany as an interpreter. And I said, what? He said, I'm going to travel to Germany um, as a shaman and I need an interpreter. And at that point, I spoke well German. And uh, I remember how I didn't believe that my minister will let me go because I already had a vacation. I didn't believe that it's going to happen, you know, that's what's going to be happening. Uh, but he told me, just tell me when you need to go and I will shamanize and your minister will let you go because you're going to go with me. And all of that was also a new thing for me to even this to think like that. And um, I went to Germany and I was the person who was interpreting from German to Russian for the people who were coming to see him. And I remember how I was, I wanted, every time I would do my job, I would want to go out of the room. Because I didn't want to be with, the, with this quote-unquote sick people in the same room. <laughs> and I was afraid of the drum. And I was afraid of the spirits. And I was afraid of everything. And he didn't let me leave the room, and he was telling me every day, you're going to stay here in the room, just sit here. And so I experienced these days when we would just get up and people would start coming in because the person who organized it, uh, organized all these appointments the, all day long, and I would sit in the room. And by the third day, he told me, after the third day, he told me that I am shamanizing as I am sitting. 
are there. And I said, what are you talking about? I'm not doing anything. And he said, uh, you, you are shamanizing. And then a couple other days went by, and then he told me that the spirits of my ancestors came to him and told him that I am a shaman and that he needs to do a, a ritual for me in order to connect me with them so that I could do the kind of work that he does. Um, that sounded so far out for me that I couldn't even comprehend what that means. I said, no, 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 that's a mistake. I, I'm not a shaman and that's impossible and no. And so then we came back already from the trip and a couple of months later he met me again and he told me the same thing. And right away I said again, no, because it just didn't make any sense to me. And then again, a couple of months later, he met me specifically again and told me, does your family know what I'm telling you? I said, no. And he said, well, you really need to call all of your big family together and tell them what I'm saying, because this is very important and you obviously don't understand. And I said, okay, I'll call and I'll tell them all. And so I called my family and there was a family meeting and I told them what he said. And, and during that meeting, I learned that my um, grand-grandfather on my mother's side and grand-grandfather and his wife on my father's side were shamans. And until that day, I didn't know um, that. And um, my parents told me, you decide because this is way too important and we don't know anything about it either. And I remember thinking, uh, because where, the way he was working, it was a line of people, standing lifeline of people waiting to see him. And I could not imagine um, line of people standing by my door and me not belonging to myself, not belonging to my family, but belonging to these people that I didn't know. And now, looking back again, I understand why it was impossible for me to be a shaman then, because I had no love for people. I, I only loved my family and I only loved my friends. But I didn't love all people, uh, which came later. <laughs> and um, so I said no again, and he told me that I don't understand that this is a calling, this is who I am, and even though I refused, I'm going to pay the consequences of opening it all up by myself, of opening the channel, so to speak, by myself. And I said, okay, and went on, went on with my life, not thinking even another day about it. It was just literally, I forgot next moment, uh, that, that conversation, everything. And so for many years, I didn't remember, except then life later on took me to the United States. 
And after a certain time in the States, all of a sudden, I started to feel like nothing makes sense in my life. Like, I don't know what I actually want to do. And no matter what I thought about my life, nothing made sense. And it was actually years of um, emptiness, so to speak, where I didn't know who I am. And now I understand that it's uh, the price I paid for not connecting then. Because no matter what I wanted, nothing worked. No matter what my ego part of me wanted, nothing worked. All was just falling apart, slowly and painfully. <laughs> yes. And then, um, this is a, another important point, that one day, in the middle of my emptiness, I decided that I'm going to do meditation every day and yoga. And I said to myself that if I'll do yoga and meditation, then I will decide, I will think that my day went well, regardless what else will happen or not happen. And very interesting, interesting enough, what happened was that very shortly after I started daily meditation practice, uh, I felt in one of my meditations like my head literally opened up. And I felt this pillar of light going into my head and my whole body. And I felt ecstatic that I never felt before like that. And um, I didn't know at that moment what that meant or what it was. It's just that after that, I started to notice um, different things that were not there before. Uh, let's say I would go to the river, to the Hudson River, which I live next to, and all of a sudden I would catch myself talking to the river in, internally. Something like, hello dear river, how are you? In, in a very poetic high language. And then I would say to myself, wait, wait a minute, why am I talking like this? <laughs> uh, and then I would uh, catch myself talking to the trees the same manner. And then um, I would start catching myself to hearing the answers. And then all of a sudden I remembered that prediction that the shaman made. And I all of a sudden realized how shamans work. I realized why what shamans do, why it's so potent and why it's working. I realized that between me and the river there is no difference. And I realized that between me and the tree there is no difference. And I, then I realized that between me and a table there is no difference. Between me and the walls, there is no difference. And between me and another person, there is no difference. And that was very big understanding because I realized we are all one, that we are all connected. And that's why there is a reason, that's why we could affect other people's 
realities only because we are all one. Otherwise, it's impossible. And then I started noticing that when someone has a pain, physical pain, that I would be drawn to move my hands above the person's body and the pain would go away. And I would be thinking, huh, interesting. <laughs> uh, and then it started with close people and then friends and then parents of friends and friends of friends. And um, for several years, that was what I was doing. I was, um, as I was uh, humorously calling it, uh, waving my hands around people's bodies. And uh, people would get interesting results. And I would be surprised each time. Um, and then, um, then the time came when I started to ask more questions about this path that I was on. And um, I couldn't hear the answers. And I remember how I involved my then teenage daughter in it. And I uh, opened her channel, so to speak, by saying, okay, let's play this game. Just breathe and imagine this and that. And so I basically connected her with her higher self and then with the spiritual world in order for me to hear. Because it's interesting that when we are having some kind of dilemma or challenge in our lives, we often can't hear. Even if we are very intuitive and we are uh, normally um, um, can tell things, but uh, if we are emotionally very involved, it becomes impossible because we are too invested. We really want specific outcome. And so I remember my daughter, uh, or I, actually the right way to say is, the spirits, the shamanic helping spirits told me through my daughter that I need to go back to Tuva and do a meditation on top of the mountain. And that sounded like... Um, not, uh, not even the fairy tale, but even more ridiculous than this. I said, what are you talking about? What meditation? What mountain? And, um, <clears throat> but now I've learned that when spirits tell you something and you don't do it, it's, uh, it's really um, it's up to you because they're just gonna, not going to repeat it. Because nobody's going to repeat things if you're not, follow, if you're not gonna follow. And so I contemplated for a little bit and I bought the tickets for my daughter and me and we went to Tuva. <laughs> and we did a meditation on top of the mountain and it all unfolded. I knew what mountain, I knew um, that it was supposed to be before the sunrise, I knew that it was supposed to be 33 minutes. And during that meditation that I did together with my sister and my daughter, who are 12 years apart from me. Um, I mean, my sister is 12 years younger and my daughter is 12 years younger than my sister. I connected to my, um, as I call uh, her now, my initiation teacher. It's a spirit teacher and she was my initiation teacher. 
and I connected during that meditation to one of my POW animals, uh, which is the red Chinese dragon. And from then on, my whole life changed totally because it was a series of all kinds of events, uh, daily events, um, during which I was started to be able, I was able to hear, hear uh, to hear and see the spirits. Um, and they did three rituals for me in order for me to connect more with my power animals, in order for me to remember that I am a shaman because I really, really resisted. I really didn't want to be a shaman. Uh, and um, then the last ritual was for me to do pr a protection ritual um, so that I am protected. That's, that's how I became a shaman, I guess, in three words. <laughs> Great. And can you go on to explain, because maybe some people have never heard of power animals or what power animals are. Can you describe how you work, what a power animal is, and then how you work with these power animals when you are performing a healing on people? Um, power animals basically are um, energy patterns in the shape of an animal that has specific abilities and qualities and has separate mind from the person's mind. And um, so I think for me... Um, Oh, and they are part of the person. Even though they have a separate mind, they're still part of the person's spiritual makeup, so to speak. And so when I um, do a healing session, shamanic healing session, uh, when a person is laying on the floor and I am sitting by the person and drumming, I am just asking my power animals to come to a person energy body which is the deepest part of the uh, people of the of the of the person or what is commonly called aura and because they don't have physical bodies they don't have a um, physical body like i do they are able to come into the person energy field literally and do all kinds of work there harmonizing and balancing and taking away everything that doesn't belong anymore to the person. And the person collects it just by the virtue of living life, like we all collect dust in our apartments or houses. Um, so that's, that's what it is. Great. And I know just in having a personal session with you that almost one of the gifts that you give people is you are able to see what other people's power animals are. Yes, yes, yes. And then when you share that information with them, then it's up to the person to probably research or just decide what they want to do with that, with yes. that energy and with that animal and how they'll bring that into their lives. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Great. Um, now, I know that you have listed on your website that you do a bunch of different things because you really were more of an energy or, or healer before you became, you know, tr I guess, you uh, know, transformed into being a shaman. Like you worked yes. more with aura 
aura cleansing, um, balancing the chakras and energy work on people. And um, I was also wondering if you wanted to talk about some of your experiences with clearing negative energies um, and what that's been like too. And do you use your animals to help with that? Yes, absolutely. Um, See, because I was uh, quote-unquote a healer before I became uh, wake, wake, like I would say, like before I was a sleeping shaman. And then I became a quote-unquote healer. Uh, but then I became, uh, I wake up, and so I became a, a shaman. And uh, now I know the difference between a shaman and a healer, um, even though every shaman is a healer, but not every healer is a shaman. The same way I think it's, um, there is a confusion, especially in the United States, I noticed that um, a lot of people think that um, medicine woman or medicine man is the same as a shaman. And they call me, well, you're a medicine woman. And uh, again, it's uh, every shaman is a medicine man or a woman, but not every medicine man or a woman is a shaman. So, um, so now I know the difference, and I also it was very interesting for me to notice and uh, observe how people who used to work with me when I was just quote unquote healer, when I became a, a shaman, and how they noticed the difference. The difference was huge <laughs> because people, especially men for some reason, who had no direct right away, um, you know, uh, sensations, so to speak, or um, of what's going on during the session, all of a sudden were able to notice the, that something is going on and they were able to locate parts of the body that the work was being done and they were able to suddenly hear or smell or um, see things that they were not able to do. The same people that worked with me before, before I became a shaman. Or uh, rather, I would say, before spirits made me a shaman. <laughs> and so, um, with the negative energies is... Um, See, those power animals are pure light. They are energy. They are consciousness because consciousness equals energy. Energy equals light. Light equals love. So when someone has some kind of, let's say, negative attachments or... Um, Parasites, I call them, um, lovingly, I call them energetic parasites. <laughs> so when they, um, when someone has so something like that, then during the session, all of my power animals, which I have 14 of them, go into person's energy field and there is no space for that energy parasite to be there anymore. It's, they just cleared by themselves it, it's very easy unless there is something that is like a more of a possession or something that is more difficult to get rid of when 
it happens very rarely when someone was so weakened that some negative, real negative being um, attaches themselves to a person and then influences the person's mind and thought process and then the person becomes more and more disabled and destructive in their behavior and in life. And that is more difficult. And I usually don't like to talk about it much because it sounds scary to most people. Um, and it is scary, but um, but it's not it's not some, something that we should discuss. I think because it's just there and needs to be taken away. That's all. Mm -hmm. Okay. And do you want to uh, briefly describe what it's like if somebody were to come to you for uh, a session? You know, with these power animals, what? What could people expect, and uh, what does a session look like, and about how long does it take? Well, um, you had a session with me. How did it look to you? <laughs> well, I don't know if my session looks like everybody else's. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but know. maybe you, you could say something about yours, and I uh, uh, say something else. Sure. Um, I know that... I mean, it kind of started off with a little brief meditation and just kind of connecting, and you gave me directions on, like, how I needed to stand on your blanket, and my whole body was saged. I remember that. It, it, well, actually, it was a, I'm sorry, it was a not sage. It was a wild juniper. Okay. Uh, it's uh, uh, from the mountains in Tuva. Oh, okay. It smelled awesome. And, and then, you know, I kind of had my eyes closed for some of it and it felt like that you were clearing my aura with maybe some bird feathers or something of that sort. And, um, and then there was a period of time when I would lay down after my body was cleared with that. And then you began drumming for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And then that put me into a bit of an altered state of consciousness. And I was having an experience and seeing different things and, you know, eventually the drumming kind of began to slow down and, and stopped. But, you know, when you're in that type of space and time, there really didn't feel like time. I couldn't, I don't even remember how long it was. It, I just felt like I went on a journey is the best way to describe it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, um, a session, uh, the first session with someone who doesn't know anything about it, usually lasts about three hours because there is some conversation involved because, uh, you know, modern people are very mind-oriented and they really want to understand how it works. And uh, so there is conversation involved. If it's not the first session, if it's just a healing session, uh, like a maintenance healing session or specifically um, focused uh, session, it's usually about hour and a half. And when the person comes, um, I usually first do the smudging. It's an um, uh, ancient tradition of um, clearing uh, the energy field of the person in preparation for the work, for the real work. Because the real work starts when the drum starts. And because, see, everything that any shaman does it is only possible because it's done in that expanded state of consciousness. And so when a shaman gets in that space, the person who is near 
also gets in that space because <laughs> it's a resonance. It's an energetic resonance. Um, and then the work begins. And it's, uh, it doesn't really matter what people see, feel, or even if they're able to feel or hear or smell or have any type of sensations, the work is still done. And... Um, yeah, I remember when I came and, you know, I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to set an intention and these are going to be my goals and this is what yeah. I would like. And you were just like, duh, you could throw all that away. The animals already know what you need. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, uh, you know, what's interesting for me is um, how this seemingly non-visible to most people reality, right? Mm-hmm. Um coexist with this reality and influence this reality to this huge degree that most people don't realize. Because when uh, in the, my very first uh, sessions with people as already a shaman, I could not believe how what I saw with my third eye, with my eyes closed, um, how it correlated when I opened my eyes and people's bodies would behave, like people's physical bodies would reflect what I see in that non-ordinary, uh, for the lack of better word, reality. Um, let's say uh, someone uh, was needed to return a piece of their soul that was lost, and I would ask my um, great horned owl to bring it back and then I would see you know I would ask the owl and uh, he would leave and when I would and then I would see him flying back and holding the piece in his beak and then I would see him clearly in coming to the person's body and then I would open my eyes and I would see that right at the moment when he would put that missing part of the soul, that missing piece of the person's soul into this um, heart area uh, of the physical body of the person, that the physical body of the person all of a sudden would make this jump. All of of a sudden, it would just move in a very strange way, like up. Um, And so, um, see all of the challenges that we're all going through, they're visible in that other part, in that invisible, so to speak, part, that unless it is addressed, nothing could be changed in this reality because it all stems from there. And shaman is the person who is able to go there and do the work in that expanded state of, state of consciousness or commonly called trans state. Now i got a question about, uh, I was just reading through your website before, and I saw mm-hmm. that you do channeled readings. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Okay. Um, this is very interesting because once I became a shaman, um, I got a teacher uh, who is living with me 24-7. Before it happened to me, I didn't know such things exist. I, did, I had a notion that shamans are people who are able to summon some helping spirits on behalf of other people and when they drum and that's when the work is done. Uh, that's what I thought about shamans. 
Um, but when I became a shaman, then all of a sudden I started to live with this, uh, as he called himself, he calls himself your non-physical spiritual teacher. And he has a name, starts with K. And um, see, um, he is always with me and his mind, so to speak, is always with me. And he is uh, having his open opinion about anything I do or think or say. And it is very difficult for people to grasp, and I know how it sounds to most people, because uh, I still am amazed every day how lucky I am to have this, and how how loving the universe must be in order for me to feel so loved, to feel so taken care of, so to feel that my every thought, forget about question, my every thought is addressed, and addressed from the point of total acceptance of me and total love for the things that I am going through in my personal life. And so um, channeling, uh, channeling is very interesting to me because it is, um, it is really fascinating because it's when you, it's not your thoughts. It's when all of a sudden you hear the thoughts um, that are not yours. It's, I don't know how to explain it, how amazing it is. But basically channeling is um, the ability of a person to tune in to something that is non-physical, to another mind, and bring that information. Because see the spirits, or helping spirits, shamanic helping spirits, know everything about you, know everything about me, know everything what's going to happen, what happened, and, but I don't. And so they know what you're ready to hear as well. And so the person could ask questions and basically communicate not with me, but let's say with my teacher. So are the readings more spiritual, like of people that have spiritual questions, or is this a channeled reading of like somebody that's passed on and the person's trying to reconnect with them, or is it a different type of channeling oh, uh, session? Oh, oh, see, I see. See, that's that question comes from their, uh, this sort of misunderstanding, because when people hear the word spirits, a lot of people right away think, that spirits mean the people of people who are dead, who passed on, and um, that is. I, I don't work with people who uh, made the transition already into non-physical world, unless someone who comes to me really wants some closure or they want to ask that particular person some questions. Then is it, it is possible, uh, because it's a mediumistic type of work, and shamans all um, can do that. But um, when I talk about channeled readings, I talk about connecting to um, those helping spirits who know more, and it's more spiritually oriented. Yes, it's about um, helping the person to understand the bigger picture, 
to understand why they're going through what they're going through. Because you know what I learned? That nothing is random. That things that seem that have no sense, like why this is happening, why this is happening to me, and everything makes total sense. If, it, if not during, as we are going through that, but then later on. And it's all connected to what's going to happen next. It's all connected. But what about free will, like people making like decisions? Do you think that none of that's random either, or...? See, um, I used to think like that as well about free will. We do have free will. But, you know, uh, many years ago, I read the book by Paolo Coelho, Alchemist. You probably all read or heard about it. And did, did you or not? No, I haven't heard of it. Um, it's, uh, the, the author's name is Paolo Coelho, and the book is Alchemist. It's an old book. When I read it, in that book there is a phrase that he says, one phrase, and he says it's in Arabic, and the phrase sounds maktub, which he says that it means in Arabic, all is already written. And I thought, okay, well, all is already written. It's like, okay, well, yes, but what about free will, like you just said? (laughs) (laughs) But um, what I'm learning as I'm going through my life and lives of so many people that I have a privilege to uh, observe and work with and influence as well, that all of the things that it looks to us that we changed our minds, that we even took a different direction, that even if we went to a shaman or did some work or did some ritual or a blessing ceremony or did any kind of work, it, it's already also maktub. All of it, even, even all of our, all of our, you know, back and forth, changing the decisions, all of it, it still is maktub. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What would bring somebody to go see a shaman? Well, what I want to say is that we all need help at some point or another. All of us. Absolutely all of us, including me. Except right now I am helped right away directly by the spirits. So shaman is this um, middleman that is, connect, that is um, able to connect a person with the spiritual world, that all it is. Whether it's the person own power animals, or person own spirit guides, or person own higher self, or any of that. So a shaman is someone who is able to connect a person to the spiritual world that is uh, that is there, that exists at all times. But when you are not awake to it, so to speak, it's hard to believe. It's, uh, a lot of people don't even believe in all of this because they say, well, I don't see it. And I say, good, it is still ahead of you. If not in this lifetime, then next lifetime you will be able to grasp it. If not next lifetime, then the life after next life. And so I believe that uh, a person needs to see a shaman when they feel that some, something is going 
wrong, that something or appears to go wrong, that something is um, out of whack, that they don't feel full of energy, that they, they, they really lack energy, they feel they don't know what they're doing, they, they feel they don't know what the next step is, they feel clouded, their mind is not clear, they lost joy, they don't feel joy when they wake up, they don't want to wake up, or they wake up and they drag their bodies through the day, um, when they want to make change whether it's uh, in their physical bodies, as in diseases, or whether it's about some change that they want um, in their lives for the better. Because shamans work with the subconscious mind, and so uh, shamans do rituals and ceremonies that greatly impact the subconscious mind, that then um, everything could be changed in one session, Everything could be changed in one ritual or in one ceremony. Um, you don't need to spend years and years and years in some therapy to, in order to feel better. Because shamans um, work with all bodies. Because we as human beings consist of physical body that we all see, mental body, emotional body, and our energy body or our spiritual body. And shaman is a, so to speak, specialist who is able to affect all of these bodies at once. And let's say other specialists affect one body or if they're very good, two bodies. But because shaman affects all of the bodies at once, with the help of the other side, so to speak, with the help of this um, shamanic helping spirits and power animals. That's why the work could be done swift and easy. <laughs> yeah, well, and it sounds like, you know, in your story um, that you really had a, a physical healing that had happened. Um, and I, th I think yes. what, what we call that with what happened to you is a prolapse after... Uh, childbirth. Did you fully recover from all that, or how long did that take after your healing with that shaman? Oh, it, that, same, that same day. That, it was that immediate. And it was that, that immediate, yes. Did he have to come back in, those, in the next two weeks? Because he said oh, he would he, come. Yes, he came back in two weeks, and he checked on me, as he promised. But there was no need for him to come back, because uh, I was fine that very day. Mm. That very day, it w went all up again. And, you know, within two or three days, my energy returned. And when I went to the doctors, they told me, what, is, what did you do? How did that possible? <laughs> right. It's a miracle. How did that happen? Yes. Yeah. Now, um, I wanted to just talk a little bit more about the power animals because, you know, people might be asking, well, does everybody have a power animal? Um, how many power animals do people typically have? I mean, you have 14, but you're a shaman. So yes. um, do most people have power, power animals or? Yes, most, pe well, most people, um, I would say the other way, everyone supposed to have power animals because they are part of our spiritual 
legacy of our spiritual makeup, how we as human beings supposed to function in this physical world. But some people, when they come to a shaman because they felt depression and some all kinds of problems for uh, no, um, no energy for a long, long time, when they come, of course, their power animal is in a sleeping position, so to speak. It's inactive. And shaman's job is to wake up that power animal. And so that's what I'm doing. So, more, um, so normally, people have at least one power animal. And people who work more directly with the people who actually are in some kind of helping position, they usually have more than one power animal. I used to see people only with one. Recently, I've seen more and more people with two, sometimes even with three power animals. That's rare. Yeah, I, I, I was one of the ones that had the three. Exactly, because you are amazing, and meaning that you are working with other people to assist them on their journeys. Right. And you I have a question. More, you, you need more energy. <laughs> yeah, it's, I it's do. It's all about energy. It's about, since they're just energy patterns, it's about energy, how much energy you have for your own life. And then because when someone comes even to you, you become involved in these stories, right? Right. You become involved in their energy as well. So you need more energy even to run your life afterwards. Right. And I have another question. I haven't had a chance to actually ask you this, um, but now that I have you on the line, I will. Mm -hmm. Since my session with you and learning about my power animals, um, one of them that I feel really connected to is the lion. Mm -hmm. And um, after I had my healing with you, I, up until I think it even happened last week, more and more of my clients, when I'm doing energy work on them, it's not like... I've shared with my clients before energy sessions, oh, guess what? I now know what my power animals are. <laughs> um, you know, it's just something that I keep to myself unless something happens and, you know, we're processing after a session. But a lot of my clients are seeing my lion. So how do I, I mean, it's kind of like freaked me out because, you know, like at first it was one person. I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. Okay. Maybe yes. my lion was here, you know, and I, <laughs> I feel connected to it the more that I'm working with it. But when yes. I start having like five, six, seven, eight people uh -huh. and I say, how was your session? Oh, it was really good. But you know, I saw the face of a cat and I think it was a lion and, and this lion yeah. was over here and I'm thinking, oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> and uh, I don't really know how to explain it or make sense of that, but can you explain what... What's happening in my sessions? Absolutely. Um, th this is how uh, the explanation is very simple because that reality that uh, that is um, as valid and as solid as this reality that we all see and agree on, it's the same for everyone. See, it's not like, okay, well... Uh, it's my imagination, so to speak. Like, okay, I see this and somebody else sees something else and we all see different things. No. It's all the same. It's the same space. You know, it's like um, because you work with your power animal lion, they 
when they went in that, that space of no thought and when they didn't um, resist anything, they were able to grasp that energy pattern that worked directly with them, which was your lion. You know how, how I want uh, to say something about it? It's the same principle. When, I, when the spirits came and they were doing three rituals for me, um, the rituals were done in the States, but my sister, who the spirits insisted that she is also going to be a par participant of my ritual, my rituals, she was in Tuva. And so it was very interesting to me how the spirits would tell me, okay, on this day, you're going to prepare this, this, and the other, and a specific timing. I would be in my room, and my daughter would be in her room because it was all rituals uh, were done with my daughter, my sister, and me. And my sister would be in Tuva. After the ritual would be over, and we would compare the notes, what uh, they would tell me what happened. And on the outside, it looks very simple. We, we prepared uh, what needs to be prepared, and then we lay on the bed. And then... They, they tell us to go to imagine how we that meditation that we went um, on top of the mountain. The, the spirits would tell, okay, you imagine how you walking up that narrow road to come to the top of the mountain, and that's how they usually started the rituals. And so then it's like a uh, basically it's like active meditation. And then after it, my daughter would tell me what she saw. And my sister would tell me what she saw, and then I would share what I saw and experienced. And I, would, I was absolutely blown away by the fact that we all saw the same thing. It's just that they saw it from the outside, and I saw it from the inside. For instance, when, I were, uh, when they were doing the third ritual for me, which was a protection ritual, my sister saw me standing in this meaning, saw me in that, you know, in that space, in that meditative space, right? Um, she saw me as if this uh, light, like a sparkling light, started to come from the bottom of my feet and going up my whole body. Well, during that same time, what I experienced, I didn't see any light, but all of a sudden I started to feel the pressure going from the uh, toes and going up my whole body. And I felt as if somebody is putting some kind of suit on me, like a skin tight suit. I felt this pressure. Well, and she saw the light that was like a light suit going up my body um, and up. So it's the same principle that it's the same space because it's not imagination. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think when you have experiences like that and you have other people to share it, you know, like say my clients giving me that feedback, it mm -hmm. kind of, it kind of makes you say, well, maybe something really real is happening here. Yes, maybe, yes, yes. Maybe, maybe there are such things as power animals, and mine really is a lion. Like I don't know. Yes. It's just, you know, yes. it it makes it feel a little a little more real. But um, 
Yeah, wonderful. Well, I know that we're coming, you know, pretty close to the end of our time here. And, you know, I'm glad that we were able to touch upon some of this stuff. We didn't get to all of it. But I know that you also do distance healings or, you know, remote healings and people can contact you. Would you like to let people know what your website is? Sure. It is uh, www.tuvanshaman.com. Great. And um, Larissa sometimes travels up here to Saratoga Springs, and you also have an office down in New Jersey. And is there, is there anywhere else that, that you're practicing? I know you just came back from a trip from Germany. Yes, yes. No, that's it. Usually people come to my place in Edgewater, New Jersey. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for your time, Larissa. It was great to uh, hear your voice and have you on the show and just start to educate people some more about what shamanism is and, and these uh, power animals. So it was a lot of fun to have you on. Thank you so very much. I agree that people, the, the, my main message to all people is that spirits exist, not exist, not spirits of the dead people, but Helping spirits do exist, and they are real, as real as you and me. It's just that in order for all of us to be able to hear them, we need to create a space, that empty space inside of ourselves, uh, in order to hear them. And it is best done through meditation. Mm. Excellent. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Larissa. Thank you. If you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepastseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com. Our films are also streaming online at vimeo.com, guyamtv.com, and iTunes. If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at thepastseries.com or send us a tweet at thepastseries. Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe. We hope you enjoyed the show.